How far are you from Saxon Woods? 12 glorious minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so that would by, be by far the closest? Oh my God. Yeah. So like both of those courses are like 35 for me. So anytime that I want to go play, it's at least it's an hour plus of travel. So mm. you know, I pretty much have to have at least half a day to get out, warm up, drive. And so, yeah, this is really, uh, I mean, this whole project is completely selfish on my part. That's why. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Evan and I have walked a lot of courses. Uh, Evan and I have not, to my recollection, walked a lot of courses in Northern Westchester. No. No, that's true. <laughs> well, Northern Westchester is well served. So, you know, I agree. I, agree. I, I grew up in Bamaranek. I literally grew up a mile and I had best friend of Saxon Woods in his back. I spent days and weeks running around through those woods as a little kid and as a delinquent teenager. <laughs> it's always been such a massive, spectacular, underused place, wildly underused. Just the fact that you had something so close with so much unused space, you know, for us to develop. I think. There was a recognition there by Westchester County Parks and, you know, a big part of how it ended up on the table. When I lived up in Beacon... I just thought that land was such a premium in Westchester that Kisco and FDR were going to be it. Yeah, this didn't happen in a day. I, I know. I, it's truly incredible. It really is. It really started with essentially a whisper campaign you know, <laughs> eight years ago that took two forms. The people that, that I'm going to give credit to early on are, are people like Jeff DR, Jeff Greenberg, and Dave Kimmelman, who went down to the county to attend parks meetings and stood up and said, hey, we want disc golf. Uh And around that same period of time is when I met guys like Joe Gessick and Evan Keogh, who were both like, man, we got to put a move on. Uh (laughs) You know, we got to get something done. Joe was in printing at the time. He was printing all kinds of promotional materials and direct mail and stuff like that. And Evan and Joe and I started to get names of people and started a sort of workshop, how were we going to get this into the conscious mind of the people that we wanted to talk to? We figured out who the head of Parks was, a woman named Kathleen O'Connell. And Joe had the idea of basically creating a packet that we could send out to decision makers in parks and, and municipalities. And around the same time, Evan was starting to walk parks, county parks more than anything else. And I had some conversations with park managers. We developed a package that told everything about disc golf. Were these PowerPoint materials? What does that package look like? Yeah, there's a PowerPoint presentation there. Also, I had already put together a flyer called Wedge for Parks, which was basically geared towards us putting a disc golf course in a county park. Mm -hmm. So I had gone through some of the Westchester County Parks mission statements to see what kind of language they were using, you know, what kind of goals they had for their land and how they meant to be serving their constituents. And I populated the brochure with language like that, similar language, almost identical language that sort of told our story. Mm -hmm. Buzzwords. Right, exactly. (laughs) Loaded it with their buzzwords. Right. So that it really reverberated. Like multi-recreational activity. (laughs) 
right. mixed use. You gotta all go those with, years, exactly. all ages. Yep. <laughs> Sustainable. You know, all, all these things that disc golf actually really is. Just wanted to use their buzzwords to describe it. Sure. Right. You want to map your proposition to their mission. Right. Whatever that that is. Yeah. And it also ran down the road of you know Wedge being a five hundred one three C, touting our fundraising abilities on our own. And reeling off a couple of the good deeds do every year, food bank, cancer-related charities. So that's in there. The PDGA's What is Disc Golf is in there. Mm. Innova's course equipment catalog is in there because it's got beautiful pictures. Mm. And Joe is like, and we should put discs in there. We should put custom stamp discs in there. We did. We put a putter and a mid-range and a driver. Joe packaged it all up professionally, handed it off to Evan, and Evan took this thing to the county offices, right? Yeah, I actually ran into, what's her name? Kathleen O'Connor. I just was just bringing it to the offices and she was going out to lunch and I happened to walk right into her and say, hi, I'm Evan, I'm from Disc Golf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mean you didn't speech. rehearse your 30-second <laughs> elevator pitch? You I mean, I did. I did. Vomit? <laughs> and he talked for about 45 minutes and we didn't understand a word that it said. <laughs> and the goal for this package was basically, it was whisper campaign. This was never designed to immediately generate a meeting or a course proposal or or anything like that. And Evan, as much as anybody else, kept up whisper campaign by walking into parks. Sprain Ridge, Evan? Uh, Ridge Road Park is the one that I I still have my eye on. I think it's still after uh, Saxon Woods goes in and it's a big success. I think that's number two. Yep. I I think that could happen. I used ostensibly trips to the playground for the kids to try to catch the park manager, the elusive park manager there. So we wound up going to Ridge Road Park like two or three times a week until we finally uh, ran into the dude. And, you know, he had no idea what the heck disc golf was. But, you know, at the same time, he's like, well, there's nothing going on out there. So, yeah, why not talk to this guy? Where is Ridge Road Park? It's in between Central Avenue and Ardsley. I think it's in the town of Greenberg. Hartsdale, according to Google. Crack research team. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> Does it complement as far as locations with the existing courses and the potential course or the, the pre-course? It's probably 20 minutes from Saxon Woods. Okay. I mean, why wouldn't you want a second one that close to you? What, are you crazy? <laughs> oh, really? How are you working with the county to fund this? Maybe about three years ago now, uh, Wedge member Eric Hartman began becoming interested in uh, getting a course in Westchester. I was a little broken down <laughs> at, at, at that particular point, burned out on uh, trying to get courses in. No, that goes. I just wasn't, I wasn't jumping on everything. And, and Eric was, you know, sort of new to the scene and, hey, let's get a course in and I'm not going to discourage anybody. So I gave him ideas of where to go and how to go about it. And Eric actually went and did. I think a street fair, like he got a table at a street fair in a portable basket, which I think is how he hooked up with Mary Jane and started talking to her about it. Fast forward that maybe six months, maybe even a year, and he got us a meeting with her and another Wedge member, Evan Keogh, who had been pretty active in scouting properties and trying to talk to whoever was managing that property. Basically, we're at Eric's kitchen table. We've got his bag. We've got Evan's bag. We've got my cart a stack of disc golfer magazines and we're pitching. She said, and this is what <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget it. Cause it's one of my favorite meeting lines anywhere, especially when you're talking about budget. 
We said 40 grand. And she said, that is the cost of one of the three sprinkler heads on each of the 18 greens on the golf course. Oh, wow. That really puts <laughs> it into context, doesn't yeah. it? Yep. Yeah. And she said, yeah, I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what I came to learn through all this, and I think this is a problem overall with disc golf, is we sell ourselves short. And we're like, we go into these meetings and say, we'll pay for it all. And just please just let us, you know, do it. You know, we'll raise all the money. And meanwhile, they're spending like a million bucks to get a sprinkler system on one green of the golf course. Yeah. Like we can go in there and say, hey, you know, we need 50,000 bucks. And like 50,000 bucks, we got that in our, our pockets. Right. Like, it's is nothing. this a serious proposal? 50,000 bucks? That's not nearly it. But for me, you hit a nail on the head there because when you go in, and say that your proposition costs nothing, it makes it seem like it has no value. Yeah, exactly. Evan, do you remember meeting at Eric's house? That's kind of where I got my opinions on selling ourselves short because she told us about soccer fields getting refaced and that's a million dollars. So like when you talk about $40,000, it's nothing for us. I think that meeting happened right before an election too, where uh, Astorino was out and the other guy's in. So I don't know if that made a difference too. She left the meeting feeling like this could be a win. They could be brought in for not a lot of money. And she left the meeting saying, yeah, I'm going to get this in the budget. And Eric followed up with her a bunch, hounded her some. But at the next budget hearing, she inserted $40,000 into the Parks and Rec budget for disc golf, specifically for disc golf. Angelo, how far is it for you to this new course? It's about 25 minutes. I'm in the northernmost part of the Bronx, about 25 minute drive for me. Would it be the closest for you? Yeah. It would definitely be the closest, yeah. What are the other two? FDR and Kisco are each about 40, 45 minutes, depending on traffic. Nice. It's about half, yeah. Angelo, have you thought about the people that we're never going to see again? That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's online right now. We can see them on video chat in our club meetings once every three years. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm not lamenting it. I'm just saying, you know, there's going to be a hell of a lot of guys who are not going to drive past Saxon, mm. you know, coming out of Yonkers, Bronx, Manhattan. Yeah, I think of Andy. Isn't she in Brooklyn? She's like, in Brooklyn. Man, mm. Yeah, she's probably never going to make it. She's, she's not going to drive past Saxon. <laughs> We're never going to see Pete Intervallo again. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's in Long Island, right? No, Pete's in Yonkers. Yonkers right? Yeah. Oh, he is. Okay. Angelo, did we meet with David twice? Were we there twice or was it just one time? I can't remember. Uh, once in, in the office and then you guys had that field walk. Right. Once. Okay. So we had done all of this sometimes directionless legwork, whisper campaign-y type stuff. And my recollection is that soon after Angelo finished medical school and, and residencies and got himself the job that he was looking for, and the second that Angelo started to actually have free time, he drifted right back into the lane of disc golf. He put out a call for people who might have connections as to where we might be able to get a disc golf course in. Uh, my stock response when people ask, where's the best place to try and put in a disc golf course? I exclusively say the town in which your dad's the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than that. I think you have to have ownership of, of some kind to have footing to stand on, but there's nothing better than where your dad's the mayor or your own property. And Angelo puts out this call and he gets the answer back from Matty Three Names, better known as Matt Baxter Lucino, who says, yeah, Kathleen O'Connor's my aunt. 
Kathleen O'Connor is <laughs> has always been the target. <laughs> She's head of Westchester County Parks. How did you first hear about the course in Saxon Woods? So it actually wasn't Saxon to begin with. It was just this loose idea of putting a course in Westchester. I was kind of loosely involved, sporadic talks here and there. Like when Jack said, when I was able to fully come back and re-engage with the club, that's when I started to get a little more involved. And that, that started kind of getting debriefed with what's been going on, where are we at. I had a conversation with Eric Hartman that told me this wonderful news about this allocation of funds and that they had some properties scoped out. But, you know, the meetings were always a dud. You know, we never could get in the same room at the same time in all agreements and the meetings kind of never went anywhere. So that's where this call came. It was kind of a Hail Mary of desperation saying, you know, who knows somebody, please get us to do the thing we need to do so we can get you to have more fun. And Maddie, who is now upgraded to Maddie Quattro, uh, instead of Maddie three names. Damn. <laughs> yeah, he said, she's my aunt. She's the one. Uh, so I reached out to him, set up an email chain with her and I. I was just like, oh, David Delusia, he's your guy. He'll get you whatever you need. So we had the meeting that week. <laughs> and that's kind of all these years and years of this back work kind of culminated in this one fateful email chain. And uh, Maddie, I still owe you a kick in the nuts. I swear <laughs> to Christ. You know, Angelo said it right. The effort has been going on for more than eight years. The properties have changed. The property directly ahead of Saxon Woods was Sprain Ridge. The property varied based on who we were talking to, basically who we thought we might get to say yes. And mm -hmm. really, the property never mattered. Yeah. But yes, eight plus years. How does it feel to be this close to supervising others while they're doing the real work? That's going to be sweet. <laughs> Super sweet. It occurred to me today that I really have nothing to do for a long time. When I first started looking for courses, I think I told you, I assumed I'd be designing it. And today, happily, it, it sort of occurred to me, like, I don't have to do anything. This is all John's problem now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Angela, what was more difficult Getting your medical degree or getting this course in in Westchester? I mean, by time standards, the course took longer. So uh, let's go with the course. <laughs> <laughs> that time frame is a whole medical school and an entire residency all rolled into one. <laughs> it's fantastic. It is, I think, rather unfortunate that it still is one of those situations where it's sort of who you know. Obviously, there's the grease in the wheels that had to happen prior the gift box delivery with the discs. There was already a lot of wheels in motion that made that conversation with Matt's aunt a lot easier. Easier, yeah. But at the same time, how would that have happened? Would it have happened without you know that personal relationship? And that's right. sort of disheartening, you know. <laughs> but good for you guys in this case. Yeah, I distinctly remember, I'm sure we'll get into that meeting with David in a little bit, but I remember him saying, you don't have to sell me, I already know everything about it. Yeah. yeah. When Angelo and I got there, in front of the decision maker, there was no, oh, it's just like golf, but you play it with a Frisbee. Yeah. Furthermore, we didn't have to sell him on the concept. We didn't have to put a petition in front of his face. None of that stuff. It was the easiest, most pleasant pitch I've ever done. He already wanted it. And I think we'll see that going forward. I think we're going to get asked mm -hmm. going forward I, because I think there's demand for it. Up until now, there hasn't been, but it's visible now and people already ask their town, why don't we have a disc golf course? Mm -hmm. That happens down south. That happens in Texas. Happens in California. And with the popularity, we'll see it happen here. I think we're on a track 
for there to be enough people playing the sport who will feel that their recreational need is not being met by whatever body provides recreation. Yeah. I'd say based off of the conversations we've had with Kenji up in Discap land, that's already the case for sure. I think it's just maybe some of the areas closer to the cities, it's not as popular of a recreational activity, you know? And I think it's due to scarcity a little bit and exposure, right? Absolutely. Land scarcity here is nuts. (laughs) We're not going to achieve what other parts of the country have in terms of saturation for courses, and we're not even going to achieve what the capital region is going to see in terms of saturation for courses, just based on the amount of people here, the amount of open spaces, and what they can be dedicated to. Mm -hmm. Even if you look at other models, like up in the Northeast and Maine and whatnot, a lot of the courses on private property, we don't have that many landowners with that much acreage here that can do that. So we're just Mm -hmm. an entirely different ballpark, especially down towards the city. It just costs so much. The land is scarce, like Jack was saying. We're kind of in a rock and a hard place. Yeah, we were doing some research episode or two ago, and the plot of land that we could find below White Plains that was over 10 acres was like an abandoned graveyard with some derelict properties on it. And it was still like multi-million dollar investment. So yeah, you're not going to see a lot of that um, private landowners that are looking to build a course in Westchester, unless you find a very philanthropic and loaded disc golfer. Yeah. Angela, can you talk about your recollections from uh, that first meeting with David DeLucia? Ah, the golden day. Yeah, so we pull in the parking lot. We got this meeting with David. Uh, We essentially get escorted to this small conference room, pre-COVID, of course. And we start our pitch, and he just stops us, and he says, I know everything about it. Where are you thinking? So Jack mentioned four, we talked about Sprain Ridge. Uh, It turns out that was a hard no for him because he had built all of the, the mountain biking trails in the part of the park we were looking at. And he's like, how about Saxon Woods? And he's like, got this great place. And he goes back for a few minutes and he comes back with this map, probably as old as I am, this yellowed out piece of paper. And he points to the map and he's like, how about right here? And uh, he's like, I think it's a great spot. And I don't think we're in a position to argue with him about the location, uh, being he was giving us a prime piece of land in Southern Westchester. <laughs> and so I'm like, that sounds great, whatever you want, David. Oh, that is terrible. Uh, we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it kind of wrapped up. It was very positive. Uh, we said we had to say he was very receptive. He gave us a piece of land almost immediately. And then the rest is history. It says proof of Westchester County residency is required with a county park pass or a valid New York State driver's license with a Westchester address. I saw that for the first time today. First of all, it doesn't look like they're collecting fees at all mm-hmm. on our side. Well, it does say parking fee for picnic area only, May through Sunday, September 27th, $5 with park pass, $10 without pass. Right. And there is a sign of that nature on our side. My take on it was a dilapidated collection booth for parking fees. And it does not look to me like it has been used for years. If they're not using that thing, they're not collecting fees on that side of the park. So that's something that we actually need to bring up to Dave and see what that's going to mean. Until they see how many cars are there, and then they yeah, start right. charging. Right, exactly. <laughs> and frankly, they can't actually charge a number that wouldn't be worth it to play around a disc golf there. Mm. You know, I forget what FDR is up to in ten. season. Ten? I ten. Yeah. I think ten, yeah. So whatever it is, it is. What concerns me a little bit about the sign is Westchester Resonance, which I would less like to see. But we'll talk to the county, and we'll see what can be accommodated there, if in fact they are currently charging on that Mm -hmm. side of the park. 
Yeah, I recall we were talking about this big inaugural tournament that would draw from most of the Northeast, and I don't remember there being an IRA raise at that, so I'd be surprised if it was a major issue. Yeah, yeah, as would I. So, Sweet D, what do you think about this new course at Saxon Woods? Oh, oh, I'm really excited about that because it's a lot closer. How far is it for you? I think it's probably going to be about 40 minutes from Brooklyn, which okay. is great. We're at FDR right now. On a weekend, this is about an hour and five minutes. So, Oh, wow. So that's substantial. 20, 25 20, minutes. 25 yeah. minutes is nice. Yeah, yeah very nice. That's a, that's a half a round of disc golf, right? Isn't that great? <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Good luck in the round today. Oh, thank you so much. Cool stuff. forward to playing with you today. Ah, uh, we'll oh, see. Jesus Christ. I think there were, you know, three very critical moments. So big moment, number one, was the meeting with our assemblywoman, with Eric Hartman. Number two is the meeting that Angelo got out of Matty Quattro. <laughs> and number three was David meeting uh, John Houck. I don't think just anyone was going to sell that to David. I think John Houck needed to be the professional that John Hauk is mm-hmm. and answer, you know, David's questions the way that John Hauk can and not too many other people can. And that was the close. That was a year ago. And the main reason it didn't just happen last April is COVID. <laughs> COVID <laughs> shut the whole thing down for a year. Otherwise, we could be having an inaugural event next month. How hard was it to, to not say anything? Was that a conscious effort? To not say anything about the, the project, just yeah. in general? I am a very firm believer in the ability of loose lips to sink ships. Mm-hmm. And I've had courses that we were pitching go away because somebody heard about it and made a stink, made a back channel stink to mm. the town. And this happens all of the time. The course design forums on Facebook and elsewhere are littered with accounts. Adam Harris had a course in North Jersey go away that had been completely approved. Yeah, that was one that was outside of Newark somewhere, right? I'm trying to remember the town. But the town approved, everything approved. And mm-hmm. there was a group of, I want to say, bird watchers. Oh, this, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. There was a petition, right? That's right. Mm. Like I said, the course was a- a- approved. He had a contract to design it, all this other stuff. And it was very much going in. And somebody caught wind of it that didn't like the idea of it. And made a whole mess of it and now no course. I think it was a wise decision to keep things under wraps until when agreement was made with John and the town was totally on board for for all those reasons, for sure. I've also been burned. I'm not sure how I would have reacted if Danbury hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. We had a course so approved in Danbury that we hired Steve Brinsider to design it. And he pretty much did. And the rug got pulled out from under us on that course. So nobody has to extol the virtues of secrecy to me. But the answer to your question is really, really hard. It was really, really hard <laughs> to keep that secret. And we didn't actually completely keep it. We we kept it pretty well. We kept it well enough, it seems. But it, it, it's hard. I want to tell everybody. And you know, I have friends I didn't tell because they can't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> so, <laughs> but hard. You mentioned John Houck. You did hear that he's going to be building a course in Saxon Woods near the city? I did hear that. That's kind of exciting. That's up in White Plains, I think. Yeah, that's what I heard. It should be pretty sweet. I mean, he does a phenomenal job. I hear it's all woods, though. I so there's not going to be a lot of open holes. No, there ain't too many of that at Frost Valley either. But he does a good job of, even in a really wooded place, offering you two clear options, as opposed to most courses you have your main option and then the 
local route if anybody ever finds it. Awesome. Thanks a lot. No problem. How did you first hear about the course? I heard from Jack. I met Jack a few years ago and, of course, known Bill Newman since we were both about five. Jack let me know about it. It sounded like it was an amazing opportunity. And when I finally got to go out there and uh, see it, that was all confirmed. It's a, it's a fantastic place for a disc golf course. I was actually working in Pennsylvania at Agape around that time. And, and so I said, hey, let me come up and take a look. And Jack and I met with David DeLucia at the park, and he gave us the tour. During that time, we gave him a vision of what it could be and what it could do. And I know you guys did a lot of follow-up work and proposals afterwards. But that was a point where I got a feel for what the property was like. And I think he, as the representative of Westchester County Department of Parks, got a feel for what we could do. And you guys and Dee went from there and got him the information he needed, and they eventually said yes. John, you're not actually aware of when you got involved in this, because uh, maybe about four or five years ago when I attended the Frost Valley ABC Design Seminar. So th that's in the middle of our process of trying to get a new course in the ground in Westchester. And I think when I went into that seminar, I was trying to learn how to be a better designer. And I did. And I practiced a little bit of design on our local courses and on a course in Long Island. But the biggest thing I walked away with from that seminar was I wanted to hire you. I should refund your... Um... Yeah, give me my money back. <laughs> Son of a bitch. But it became clear. And there were other talented designers there, other budding designers. Some have gone on to practice professionally. Some who were already practicing professionally. And then there must be some guys there like me who washed out. But I washed out of the idea that I had any business designing a course that was going to touch so many people. I walked away from that really being a, a disciple of our sport has gotten to the place where it truly deserves professional design and that it's a disservice to players of our sport to not give it to them where we can. So you were always in the back of my mind for this project, even before the project took shape with a property. Uh, let me just say, um, I'm even more glad that you came to the ABCD workshop at Frost Valley because <laughs> it was great to meet you. And I had no idea you had an ulterior motive <laughs> or that you ultimately, uh, came out with an ulterior motive. Let me say one thing really quick, because I really appreciate what you said about you had a different mindset when you walked out. I take what I do very seriously. And as I said, I feel like I've gotten better and better over the years. And, and hopefully I'm not done because there's so much to learn and so much still to do. And the way I approach it, there's a lot of thought and a lot of considerations that go into it. So for somebody to take the workshop and go, holy cow, I, I had no idea there was that much involved in it. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad that was your experience. Because there's still a lot of people out there who say, well, that's a good place for a tee. That's a good place for a basket. Let's move on to the next hole. One of your slides is titled this way, but it's an art and it's a science. I have confidence in myself and I think I have good ideas and I think I have an eye for design. And I'm not uncomfortable practicing 
design on the small scale that I do. And I'm torn by this thing too. Whereas how do you become a disc golf course designer if you can't practice it? The answer is you can't, you have to practice design. I guess all I really want is for those people practicing design to do it in a way that maybe doesn't touch thousands upon thousands of disc golfers the way a project like Saxon Woods obviously will. I don't want to diminish my confidence in myself or in my ability to do it. It's just crystal clear that there are some practitioners out there who are the best at it. I feel that my disc golf club deserves the best possible design. And you're the guy that I know, so. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. And by all means, do not denigrate your worthiness as a designer. I've spent enough time with you to know that you have a great understanding of it. And you've done some great things at FDR. I'm confident that the good things out there are more from you uh, than from Newman. Oh, my and, God. You're uh, going to get me fired. <laughs> That's oh, not- you, have to, you have to edit that out. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I can't. I. You're going to have to make a phone call on my behalf now. <laughs> when that gets out. Everybody should know I love Newman, and that's why I tease him. And I'm not teasing anybody else, only the guy that I love. So you have a good understanding. And look, it's like anything else, right? Nobody picks up disc golf and is hitting 60% from 30 feet in the first month. It just takes practice. Being able to, to drive and approach and do everything else takes practice. And the more you work at it, the better you get. And that's the same thing with design. I designed my first course that was used for a national championship in probably 1991, I think, the National Doubles in Round Rock. And by now I've got 18. But you asked a great question. How do you get good at it if you're not doing it? I read a lot of golf books. I think that's a good thing to do. Visit courses and don't just play them. You look at them from the point of view of how are they designed? What did they do right? What could they do better? What would I do differently? That's one of the reasons why we started the ABCD workshops. D started the ABCD workshops. And by the way, we need to give credit where credit is due. It's an art and a science. That's a phrase that she came up with. And she does a great job with her... Uh, sessions in the workshop too. Yep, absolutely. Want to make sure that she gets the credit that she deserves. The art and business of course design, and I do mostly the art, and she does mostly the business in those workshops. So they're going to pay John. Yep, and and have secured the land. They're going to pay for all the equipment. How much land moving is going to be? I guess it depends on John's design, right? Right. Because I understand his process is that he'll walk the property. He'll identify parts of the property that are unique and interesting, which you might build holes around, but obviously there's going to be some earth moving involved. So did you factor in any of that into your 40 grand, or is that something that you expect volunteers to provide labor for? We didn't factor it into the 40 grand. And that's not to say that some of the 40 grand couldn't be you. You probably give a little buffer. Yeah. We are going to try to engage the park for labor, for capital. Honestly, we're going to try to get the park to do as much as, as we can get the park to do. Frankly, mm-hmm. the, the park can do some things that could really enable our volunteers. 
there are things that the park can come in and do with a machine that they have lying around. Our, our volunteers are 100 guys with shovels. And so we're hoping that where we can use a bulldozer, the park will get us a bulldozer. Right. There's lots of materials that go into T-pad construction that municipalities have lying around in quantities that no one would miss if you built a disc golf course with them. Oh, pressure run. That's the huge cost when you're building T-pads unless you already have a dump truck. That's right. So the answer to the question is, we're going to engage the park to get as much help as we can from them, mm-hmm. but we stand ready to do all of it if they'll do none of it. Yep. Okay, yeah, that makes I think sense. That's what you have to do. Yep. You have to be ready for that. I was just going to say that's been my MO whenever I'm talking to people is hide the fact that disc golfers will pay for stuff just so they can use a course until that's the last, you know. I have a philosophy about these pitches that really I learned from John's wife, Dee, which is that these things, all these things, your time, volunteers' time, the time it takes to organize volunteers, obviously the time it takes for volunteers to lift and drop a shovel, it's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And at a minimum, when you're making proposals, you have to represent what its real value is. The reason for that is if you value it nothing, then it looks to be of no value. And so when you cave and you offer $20,000 worth of labor, if you valued it at $20,000, to begin with, then it's a $20,000 gift, which is what it really is. And whoever it is, your municipality should know that. And if you take the time to value things properly, we've been walking around saying a T is $250. Try and get somebody to your house to build a T in your front yard for $250. It's easily a grand. It's easily a grand, right? Yeah. I took your advice. You said that three podcasts ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Sonny, did, <laughs> stop, stop, stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> no, you're completely it, it right. Bears though. Repeating. It bears repeating. All right, charge fair value. <laughs> uh, that's something that I've been trying to figure out how to utilize. I think even more than that, cutting down trees is an incredibly expensive thing to do. You can charge $5,000 for three trees. Yep. Uh I've paid it. Evan, did you walk Saxon at all? Just uh, when we had walked it, the pool's not where it's at, right? Right. You and I walked the pool side, right? Yeah. And I think we walked a little bit on the other side. Such a big park. I don't think we really explored the whole thing. Yeah, it really is a very big park. It's a part where like the Hutchinson River Parkway goes. That's right. It's so big. It <laughs> is. Place. And I can say, this has been my whole life. That part of the park is 98% dead all the time. Yeah, that's right. Just nobody goes. We ran into nobody when I walked it with John. Absolutely. And it was winter, but the trails were clear. The major part of traffic you'll ever get there is the entrance off of the post road, uh, you know, right across from the office buildings area, not mm-hmm. by the big park area. Yep. And you'll have people just in the very front loop trail, the very most. There's one front loop. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Nobody's going anywhere else. No one's going back to the hutch side. People just don't do it. That's one of the most exciting things about the property. And it, it, that's the property that was brought to us. We had a couple of different asks. And I think we didn't ask about Saxon because we figured it was going to be off the table. I was not aware until they showed us the property how much more there was on that side of the hutch. I thought it was a small corner of the park. It's almost half the, the total land. How much of this stream is going to be utilized? Is that going to be an active part of the design, you think? That's a river and no. Oh, it's a river. Yeah, that's the Hutchinson River. Oh, it is. Okay. 
got a parkway named after it. That's right. <laughs> it runs right big. alongside. I very much don't want to get in John's head, but I think he'll bring you to places where you can look at it. See it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's important. But it's actually down a, an embankment from where most of the park land is. And uh, the okay. embankment is fairly steep. And when you get to the bottom of it, I imagine your balls deep in weeds. Mm, okay. Or in reeds. Uh, you are. <laughs> I can tell you. I'll tell you okay. all there. Yeah. It's- or uterus deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be inclusive, Pat. <laughs> Listener, you choose how deep you are. <laughs> Not to be discriminatory. Is there a particular patch of land that you're anxious to work with? The, there will be. I'm sure there are really unique places out there that I haven't seen specifically yet. We pretty much just did a big loop around the outside on the trails. I will say that there are some interesting looking places down by the water. So I'm going to work with uh, the Parks Department. Hopefully we can find a way to use some of that. But I know already just from the little I've seen, there will be holes unlike any that anybody's ever seen before. There are three things that we always hope for on any course, but particularly something that's going to be a championship course. And those three things are mature trees, interesting terrain, and water features. And we're typically pretty happy if we get two, because you don't get the trifecta too often. And so mature trees, got them everywhere at Saxon. Interesting terrain in spades. Yeah, it's really stunning. It really is. And it's not just the topography, I mean, which is amazing, but the rock features, which are almost omnipresent. There is water on the edges of the park. And I feel like during that first walk, I said, hey, David, maybe we could get down there a little bit. And seems like he said, maybe. So I'm hoping we'll be able to put a few holes down by the body of water whose name you know, I think, because you said it. Hutchinson River. Hutchinson, yes. Yeah, sounds like Hudson, but it's not. But even if we don't, like I said, we're happy if we get two out of three, and and we got two out of three big time on this property. I don't think I've ever, no, I know I've never worked on a property that has that much variety in terrain, and the bonus feature of the cool-looking rock. Yeah, the rocks are incredibly cool looking. Like, it's got great terrain. Locals will know Leonard Park in Mount Kisco gives you great terrain, and it does have these rock features. But Saxon is loaded up with really big, really cool looking, and very different from one to the next, just loaded with these different rock faces. Right. A huge variety of sizes and variety of shapes and clusters and, and things like that and a great variety of density. There are areas that are so rocky, we probably don't want to go near them, and areas where it's not so much. So throughout your experience in playing around out there, you're going to get a lot of different looks and different feels. I'm looking forward to that. And plus, it's huge, right? So we'll have a lot of ability to say, I want to use this area. I'm not so interested in this area. It's not 30 acres and and you got to use every inch yep. to, 
to be able to get to par 65, that kind of thing. I'm really excited about it. And just the fact that it's going to be New York City's home course, and it's the culmination of a dream and 10 years of work for you guys. That's all really exciting stuff and really looking forward to it and, and, and really happy to be part of it. Yep. I can't wait. I can't wait for your next report when you've been in it for a while and lived with it. Is it true that you wanted to name a hole Saxon the beach? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We need to come to some understanding about what emails are confidential. (laughs) No, no, no. I think Saxon the beach should be be the name of a hole if it's appropriate because it's a... Play on the name of a beverage. (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. So that's what makes it appropriate. And by the way, I'm not big on naming holes. You know, if a hole does something to earn a name, that's great. But (laughs) we don't have to come up with 18 names. (laughs) No. No. Sounds like it'll be Rock One, Rock Two, Rock Face Three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of potential rock names out there. So, How much earth moving are you anticipating, or is it too early to tell? It is a little too early to tell. My general impression is there's a main trail that kind of makes a loop around the outside, and then there are some shorter trails that kind of cut through. I'm very particular about wanting to stay away from trails. We don't ever throw across trails, and if there's trail nearby we want to be throwing away from it now there may be some informal kind of trails going through there and we'll have to see if those are sanctioned trails or people just made their own so we'll see about that just with what i understand are the main trails it's not going to be an issue there's plenty of land out there so i don't foresee any problems good to hear why don't we start digging let's do it like I told Pat on the podcast, she'll be ready in about 45 days. Wow. <laughs> and a year and a half. A year and a half and 45 days. This is going to be the, the biggest, most comprehensive course outside of Manhattan. Easiest accessible. Yeah. How yeah. do you get Manhattan knowing? You know, like, that's what's going to be. The train station is down the street. Yep. There's a lot of great things about this, and that shines as a beacon of one of them. The difference of what the sport was when we first started talking about this to where it is today, what the thought of a Saxon Woods course meant eight years ago as opposed to what it means today. Right. Completely different animal, too. It's very much the thing we need. Yeah. And I believe that New York City harbors tens of thousands of would-be disc golfers if they could easily be on a course. And then tens of thousands of more who would try if it was easy to be on a course. And I think this project puts us that much closer to that. So I think it's part of the boom. I think it's probably needed to support the boom. How much space is at the course as far as course development? Is it just at 18? My expectation is going to be 18. And one of the main reasons for that is how linear the parcel is. Right. There's enough acreage there that if you could drive through the first course, and put a parking lot at the other end of the first course. You could put a second course, but you might be driving a mile through the first course, the second course, which I'm making all this shit up because there's not going to be a second course. Because the property is so linear, I only see one course going in there. I guess there's a potential for weird loops. I don't think weird loops is in John's bag of tricks where 
maybe there's 27 holes and a way to play multiple different loops. I don't, I don't think that's a design dynamic or aesthetic that John subscribes to. So I, I would expect it to be 18 holes. been very fascinated about this what is the process and what is the experience like of attending one of these town hall or recreational committee board meetings and actually pitching this stuff i haven't done that dave kimmelman and jeff greenberg attended a meeting like that around the same time frame that joe's helping with whisper campaign and evan is scouting properties they went to a parks and rec meeting and did that thing where they stood up and got recognized and you know, or filibustered the uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec meeting with. with they gave Kimmelman a microphone. <laughs> I have pitched to a board where it's like me and another guy, maybe two, where I'm in front of twelve people who are essentially the decision maker. That's a pitch for a course. That's yeah, my okay. experience with Danbury, which is still mired <laughs> in indecision. <laughs> Not enough whisper campaign, Jack. We didn't do what we thought we might do, which is to put this kind of stuff in the hands of every parks and rec professional in the county. Mm-hmm. Our thought was if we did that, they're going to call us. The Kenji effect. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not what we accomplished. But what we definitely accomplished was by the time we got the meeting, disc golf didn't need to be explained to anybody. They had seen it. Head of parks had seen it. And it was already in the vocabulary. And, and that's why I think what the three of us and Jeff and Dave did early days really matters. And what happened eight, five, four, three, two years ago really matters. And it all contributed to what it looks like we're getting. That's awesome. <laughs>